Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are going to be talking about Day of the Daleks, uh, as well as revisiting The Beast Below. Before that, I want to remind you that we are from MindRobber.net, the home site of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all of the things on podcasts like this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who, and our flagship podcast, The Mind Robbers, where we talk about everything else. If you like our shows, you should review them uh, on iTunes. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, anything you feel like sharing, you might want to email those to us at podcastmindrobber.net. Or if you want to start a discussion, then you should uh, go to the website and leave a comment on this episode uh, telling everyone what you think, and then we'll respond, and then other people will respond, and it'll be a conversation. (laughs) Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? We're talking about uh, Day of the Daleks today. Yes. Yes, we are. Day yeah. of the Daleks. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, how about some background significance? Well, yeah. So Day of the Daleks, it's the first story of the, uh, I guess it's the eight, ninth season of Doctor Who. So I had to do the math in my head. Um, it's the first story of the ninth season of Doctor Who. It's Pertwee's third, right? Yeah, Pertwee's third season, so it's the kickoff to that third season. Um, and season eight was a big season in which every story featured the master. And it was this whole crazy thing. So uh, Barry Letts, because he's the producer, was like, hey, why don't we bring back the Daleks, um, who had been actually missing since uh, Evil of the Daleks, which we talked about, uh, I think, back in June. Um, and and so it's the first time that the Daleks have actually reappeared in the show and that was at the end of season four, and we're at season nine, so in like five years. So it's, it was a long, long gap. Um, and it's written by this guy named Louis Marx, who previously wrote uh, Planet of the Giants, in or, or the Planet of Giants. It's, there's only one the, I always forget which one it is. But the Planet of Giants, which was uh, the first story in the second season of William Hartnell, which is a, in which the TARDIS gets shrunk, and it's basically Honey, I Shrunk the TARDIS. Um... Uh, so he's returning, uh, and this is his like first story back. He would go on to write some stuff for uh, Tom Baker in the fourth season uh, during under uh, Hinchcliffe and Holmes. But uh, it's also the first direct. It's the directorial debut of uh, Paul Bernard, who <laughs> apparently wasn't very popular, um, <laughs> but popular enough that they brought him back for the Time Monster and uh, Frontier in Space. Uh, Time Monster being the story that ends this season and Frontier in Space being a story in the season 10. Um, and that's really what it is. It's just mostly the return of the Daleks, the introduction of the Ogrons who would appear again in Frontier in Space. Um, 
and I and I, I think that's mostly it. It's also a real. It's also a, one of the few time travel stories in the classic series. It's this and Modern Undead are the two really big ones, um, and everything else is just mostly ancillary. So uh, that's what this is, and it's uh, it's basically like Units versus the Daleks for the first time, which is uh, always exciting. So that's what mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. um. And then, uh, before we, uh, get started talking about Day of the Daleks, um, we actually, we got a lot of emails, uh, we, we got several, actually, uh, <laughs> several emails, several Twitter responses, all wanting to know what we thought about the, uh, like, series, the, the, the series 7.1 epilogue that was released yes. online, uh, that's sort of like a farewell to Rory's dad, Brian, mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, apparently, it was a scene that was written by Chris Chibnall uh, and then was never actually produced. And so they took the storyboards and sort of animated them, um, kind of, uh, in like a very like motion comic sort of way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, uh, and and then had um, had a. Uh, 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 Arthur Darvill. Thank you. Arthur Darvill uh, read the letter that Rory's dad... Basically, he gets a letter from this guy that's a little older than him, uh, Brian does, and it's a letter from Rory, and Rory's just like, hey, dad, so we're stuck in the past, and uh, we're not coming back, but uh, this is your grandson, so that's cool, right? Okay, see ya. <laughs> and then... And then... Brian like comes out and like sees his his grandson who is uh older than him and then they hug and then that's the scene uh and it was never shot it was not part of anything they just released it online and like I was telling you I think that the epilogue this epilogue is just perfectly indicative of the Moffat era and everything that I hate about it uh <laughs> because this didn't happen you guys like I don't care if they released it online. It wasn't shot. It was barely written. It didn't happen. This didn't yeah. happen. And yeah. by releasing it as a as a quote unquote epilogue, that's just you're just literally they're just rele- they just released the script over the storyboards. That's what they did. And they're mm-hmm. calling it an epilogue. Yeah. It's pathetic and and, it's- and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, and it's not even written by Stephen Moffat, which really kills me. Um, like, just, like, he can't even be bothered to write what is essentially, like, the easiest thing in the world to write. And honestly, like, at first I was like, oh, it, he wrote this. That's interesting. I don't – I don't – I don't – my my thing is, like, I really think that what happened was Angels Take Manhattan happened – and then Steve Moffat was like, there, there you go. Are you happy? And everyone was like, yeah, but what about Rory's dad? He was in two stories this season and you, you just kind of dropped it. And then they were like, oh, let's just do this real quick. And so, and, and like, we're two weeks out. They could have put this out day later, but they didn't. Like, this, this mm-hmm. screams to me that they just threw this out as a fan appeasing sort of thing and mm-hmm. just in, 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 a, in, a, in an attempt to get you to cry. And, and, and I know that's cynical. But I mean, it's exactly what this is, and it's like yeah, no, it's not. It's not cynical. It's it's the reality of what this is. Like the, the you, they barely even tried. Like <laughs> it's not even. I'm what like 
they didn't make this. Like, they literally were just like, draw some pictures, throw some words on it, have Arthur Darvel read this thing, and they just <laughs> shove it out the door. And then yeah. so they can get off our backs and we don't have to deal with them anymore. Yeah. And, and Arthur Darvel, like, the, the reason I'm convinced that Arthur Darvel did this is because, one, the guy really loves Doctor Who. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's telling because, like, if you look at the Series 6 DVD box set, which I still hate, um, there were five commentary tracks. Arthur Darvel was on three of them, um, more than I think any other person, including Stephen Moffat, whose show it is. Um, and Matt Smith, who has never done one. <laughs> because he clearly has no interest. Um, uh, Arthur Darvel in Angels Take Manhattan is given the worst send-off this side of Dodo, and... It's just like, and and you can tell that he just, I, I don't know, in my in my view of things, he does this because he needs some kind of closure to his character, who mm-hmm. was clearly shafted after, you know, working on this show for two and a half years. Like, it's just, it, it, it it's so, it's so, he deserves so much more than this. And, like, the, the content of the story, I, I get it. Like, it's, it's, it's a nice send-off to, to Brian Williams, I think, um, which is a weird choice of name. Um... And and I and I, I I I guess it's a nice send off, but it's just like you just introduced this grandson just to just to give closure and to say that Amy and Rory could become parents. There's never mind the fact that this guy is like running around. This guy had his own life. He never met the doctor. Um, he's never gonna be in anything else after this at all. Um, it's literally there just to make you cry, and that sort of forced sentimentality is something that I kind of keep keep getting the feeling that Moffat is going for that it's the um it's the widow the doctor's widow in the wardrobe uh aspect because like you look at that and that whole story is just designed to try to get you cry and it's like and it's like no you don't have to design it to make me cry just tell me a story that's worthy of me crying and I'll go there um you don't have to force it on me um and that's why like i i watched it and i was just like it just left me with a really sour taste in my mouth because i thought it was lovely but it's like you know how can anyone say that this wasn't worth shooting more than say pond life a or b the five minute opening to angels take manhattan which had nothing to do with anything like if can you imagine if this was the bookend to that like if this was the bookend and it was it started with Brian Williams at home and he gets this letter and it's from Rory and he says hi dad I guess you're wondering where we where we are well I guess we're not coming back smash the smash cut to credits angels take Manhattan epilogue he finishes reading the note and it's his and it's the kid like that that's better than the opening of that story and it's like I don't know it's just like why bother like why bother because now you're just doing it to appease the fans and then it's like. I don't know. You're giving them exactly what they want. People are eating it up, and fine, eat it up, I guess. But they didn't even they didn't even bring anything back. It's just trying to. They're just trying to get you closure where they clearly had none. It's bogus. It's so bogus. Yeah. No, it's pathetic. <laughs> it's pathetic. It really yeah. is. It's yeah. not. It. This guys. This didn't happen. <laughs> it didn't happen in the show, and that's that's the that's the that's the, that's, the, that's exactly right because. If it if if they thought that this was important, they would have put it on the episode, right? And that's and that's the truth. If they thought Pond Life was important, they would have put it in an episode. Doctor Who is not a multimedia experience. No, it's and a if TV they, show. Yeah, and it, and it, and I'm fine for viral marketing and multimedia experiences, but like, it's the it's the Blade Runner effect. Like, what's important in Blade Runner is on the screen. It's what 
they show you through the movie. It doesn't matter what Ridley Scott says after the fact. It doesn't matter what anyone says. All that matters is what's in the actual thing that you're watching. Cloverfield, it doesn't matter what happens in the, um, in the, the viral marketing for Cloverfield. All that matters is the movie Cloverfield. Um, and that's a lesson that this, <laughs> these people need to start learning because it doesn't, like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter unless it's on the show. Um, and that's, it's a, it's a, it's a basic lesson, but you know, there it is. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, it was dumb is what we're saying. <laughs> Uh, uh, but before we continue, uh, to talk about Day of the Daleks, uh, this reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our book of the month, Severed, by Scott Snyder, Scott Tuft, and Attila Futaki. Uh, it's only fourteen ninety nine, which is 40% off the suggested retail price of twenty four ninety nine. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping, so you should buy Severed and Saga, uh, and maybe a couple of other things. Saga's only it's only four ninety nine right now. Jesus, for six issues of that book, um, <laughs> and it's about as good of comic as there is. Yeah, and it's really like it's really closer to seven issues because the first issue is uh, is is double long. So it's only four ninety nine. That's the best comic deal out there, guys. Yeah, I know. Go go get severed and and get that and uh, get some other things. things. Yeah. And uh, get your order over $50, get the free shipping, uh, go to InStockTrades.com, buy some comic books. Woo. All right, so Day of the Daleks, um, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm a little sore with you. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> sore with you. And the reason is that uh, when this was coming up, I was like, I was like yeah, I'm just going to buy it. And you're like, eh, don't buy it, it's fine. You're you're not going to miss anything. You're like it's really not that good. I don't know why people like it that much. It's really not that good. You're not going to like it that much. Don't don't buy it. So I didn't. And I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed about it cuz I loved this. I thought it was awesome. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't look, here's the thing. It's not that I didn't think you wouldn't like it. I knew you would. It's more like there are other stories that I think are more worth buying than this one. Um, and, and more Pertwee even, uh, that's my, that's my own personal opinion. Yeah. You probably should have bought it. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but it's 20. I mean, to be fair, it's like 25 bucks on Amazon, which is not cheap, um, for a four part story. I mean, you're getting it twice over cause you're getting a special edition, but, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love this. I thought it was great and I think it's. It's of the ones that I've seen now, you know, granted, I haven't seen all of them uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, of the ones that I've seen, this is definitely near the top for me um, of Pertwee stories. Yeah, uh, I that I mean, because I, I, I love um, I think I think of Pertwee stories that I've seen. I think my favorites have been this and uh, what was the what was the Centauran one? Time Warrior. Thank you, Time Warrior. I think those are my two favorite Pertwees, mm-hmm. um, so far. Anyway, I haven't, sure. I haven't, I haven't seen all of them, but I, I thought this was great. Like it was just everything I want from Classic Who. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a time travel story. It's got shoehorn walkie talkies. I mean, 
Tell me that wasn't a shoehorn. That was oh, a shoehorn. It, it, was, it was a total shoehorn. <laughs> like that was ridiculous. Like, and we mean we mean literally the walkie-talkie in the future was a shoehorn that they. It was just a gray plastic shoehorn that people were talking into. It was glorious. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I just man, I, I, I loved this so much. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, it was it was sort of a thing where with classic who I. I vary a lot in my interest of what's going on. Usually, like sure. there, there will be bits where I'm just I, I'm really watching it, uh, and then there will be bits where I'm you know playing with my phone or I'm on the internet doing something and sort of sort of like watching it with one eye open. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, because let's face it, there's a lot of running around in Doctor Who that oh. doesn't need to be there. So uh, yeah. Um. And, and 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 but Day of the Daleks is one where I just f- was watching full of glee on the couch, um, and I you know I I, I love this episode I really really did I'm yeah. gonna go out and buy it for sure 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 it's I, one I, of my favorites yeah it's 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 up there and I think um, part of my reason behind this is that there I I I like this I don't love it um I think that. There are other stories. Hell, there are other stories in this season that I like more. I like the Sea Devils and I like the Curse of Peladin more than I like this one. Um, it's still that still puts it squarely in the middle because I think the mutants is utter, 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 utter rubbish, and I think that the Time Monster is mediocre at best. Um, but like, I don't know. I compare this to uh, other stories. I compare it to Time Warrior, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, uh, anything in season seven, um, uh, the Three Doctors, Carnival of Monsters. I think all those stories are better for it than me, so this is perfectly... I, I consider this perfectly average Pertwee. Honestly, that's where I come out with it. Now, perfectly average Pertwee is thoroughly enjoyable and thoroughly watchable. Um, it's, it's, it's about as much fun if you want to just pop in something that will take you on a fun trek for 100 minutes. There'll be action explosions, um, a bunch of real insanity... Uh, that's Pertwee Doctor Who for you. And this is, I think this is, I don't know, I think this is perfectly indicative of, like, average Pertwee, albeit with, like, a cool time travel element twist thing. Um, and, and so, like, that's where I come out with it. I, I loved the first episode, and then I found my, like, interest slowly waning as it went on. Because um, I love the mystery of the first episode, and then I feel like the second episode was a huge wall for me for some reason. Um, huh. uh, I don't know why. I felt like it really just suddenly lost a bunch of momentum. Um, but I did like it, and I, I watched it. This is my second time watching it, and I liked it more this time, but I still... There are still other stories that I vastly prefer. Like, the previous story is The Demons, and the next story is The Curse of Paladin. Like, I like those both more than I like this one. Um, that's just me. Uh, I think I've... I mean, I've seen Curse of Paladin, and I, I definitely prefer this one to that. Oh, so. I, love, I love Curse of Paladin so much. So yeah. much. For, for me, Pertwee does not really get much better than Curse of Paladin. Um, but that's... I mean, that's me in different tastes, so it's all good. Well, for me, I don't know. Curse of Paladin is not indicative of Pertwee at all. Like, it's... Sure. It's more of a Tom Baker-type story. Mm-hmm. Um, because... The TARDIS works and it takes them somewhere, <laughs> um, which is not normally a thing that happens in sure. the Pertwee era. So I, I don't know, man. I just I like this for for being so Doctor Who in an era 
when that was the opposite of what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, that's yeah. I think that's why I like it so much is yeah, because and, of that. Yeah, so. and it and it and it fits. You're right. It fits both the overarching Doctor Who, like this is quintessential Doctor Who, but it's also like a quintessential unit story. Um, it manages to find a perfect balance of this, where others don't. Like Claws of Axos is a great example because Claws of Axos is like. Yeah, it's a good unit story, and yeah, it's an okay Doctor Who story, but it's not very good. Like, this manages to be both a unit story, a great Doctor Who story, and um, just a great story, um, which is really, really, really lovely. And uh, it gives some good performances, and it's good, got good stuff where other other stories kind of don't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think we should probably talk about the set pieces in this, because this story, because it's the kickoff to the ninth season, was designed to be a big explosive set piece driven action movie type thing. Um, the set pieces in this are really, really, really excellent. <laughs> like there is so much action in this story. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost nonstop. Um, and Pertwee action at that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> I, 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 I love it. Uh, there, there are parts and, in I mean, like the, the, the set pieces are great. And then the, uh, on top of the set pieces, like they went back in and they they changed in the special edition. They like changed uh, the effects and the Dalek voices and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, disintegration beam effect, gruesome. <laughs> yeah, gruesome. <laughs> uh, it's I mean it's it's very reminiscent of um, of uh, uh, oh, what's his name. Uh, Dr. Manhattan's disintegration yes. effect. Yeah. Um, where like it just beam disintegrates the people and then they're like, they're like meat flakes have like weight to them as they, as they fall and from disperse, being, dis- yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh, so gross. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, part of the inspiration. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, and it's much more effective than like, like the the original version doesn't have any of the laser beam shots at all. Like all of the added green blasts and orange blasts are all special edition stuff. So you just have people pointing guns and doing a slight recoil, and then just people disappearing. Um, which is mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's not nearly as fun. And it's one of those things where, like, I. I mean, I'll I'll just confess right now. I have not seen the original version. I've seen bits and pieces, but I've not like actually made that the version that I watch of this. Um, and I don't know. I'm okay with that. I mean, I I like that the the Doctor Who DVD people will do like one or two releases a year where they'll just go in and just completely retool the special effects where they're needed. Kinda's a mm-hmm. great example of that, and Lightman is another great example. Um, and I love that about this. Like, I love that they went in and cleaned it up because, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. Like, the, the old special effects don't hurt, but they make this just pop a little bit more in, in mm-hmm. good ways. And you can always go back and watch the original if you're a su- super stickler for that. So, yeah, well, I, it's it's the same. Uh, it's the same sort of mentality that the Star <gasps> Trek people have um, yes. with with the uh, original series uh, uh redone effects and now now they're starting with uh next gen but it's it's the same thing where it's all about improving the story that already exists and not really changing it in any way mm-hmm. um just just saying like this is what they shot and now we can make some of those things look a little better 
They're mm-hmm. not adding anything. They're just changing things that are already there. You yeah, know? they're they're not doing like they're not drastically changing it and turning what's his face into Hayden Christensen or adding a a, a no in post. Like they're right. just they're tweaking what's there in in ways that and 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 the other the key thing I think too is that if you buy this DVD and you and you want the special edition, then you get the special edition. If you don't want the special edition, you have it. You don't need to watch it. You can go watch the original. And I love that they make that option available. Um, uh-huh. That they don't, you know, shoehorn it down your throat and say, no, this is the <laughs> one that we're... <laughs> uh, <laughs> They don't say that this is the one that you're getting. I hope you like it. Um, because if you don't, well, too bad you're buying it anyway. Um, and that's nice. I love that about it. And I love that about... The, the Doctor Who people. And and that's all because they know that <laughs> what's here is is still missing in some places. <laughs> There's still 106 missing episodes. So th- they they have to take what they have and then just restore it and put it up as as is. Um, uh, and they, they shouldn't be tampering with it too much because we've already had enough of Doctor Who's history tampered with. So, yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is, I mean, it's a great showing for Pertwee. He just, there's the, the amazingly, which I don't know, you watched the making of, right? The special making mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> on the making of when they're just like, we don't know where the trike came from. We just threw it into the script because John Pertwee wanted it on the, wanted it in the script. So they just like run out of a hallway and the doctor's like, look, and there's just like an idling tricycle sitting there and they just jump <laughs> on it and go, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> But it's like it's there's there's action. He's shooting guns, which I don't I don't mind as much when it's Pertwee. I don't know why. Um, uh, but like he kills an Okron in cold blood at one point. Yeah, he does. Like, Disintegrates him. Yeah. Oh, vicious. And then he doesn't even bat an eye. And then all of a sudden, the brigadier, like a boss, just Gatling guns another one. Um, <laughs> and but and then there's but then there's also the other stuff that we love about Pertwee, which is not just his action, but like. His uh, debonair, his his suave connoisseur <sighs> aspects with his um... his love of wine and cheese and good <laughs> scotch. Oh my god! Just the the wine where he has like a speech about wine in the first episode because he's bored. He's like sardonic but not cynical. You're like Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, but the, what's funny about it though is that what does that even mean? Like it doesn't mean anything in 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 regards to the taste, the flavor of wine. Wine can't be cynical. It's wine. <laughs> I think that's hipster wine, honestly. <laughs> hipster oh, wine. So funny. I, I'm just like have you. You must try the gorgonzola. <laughs> it is. It is great i love the gorgonzola and then later uh, on he's eating it's just oh you know that john Pertwee. like i mean he's just the the man's just who he is and he doesn't care what character he's playing like it's just every episode there's an, an example of him eating or drinking and this is easily my favorite example of that favorite all time um it's oh, just yeah. so oh uh, well it's it's still i think there is one there is one moment of him of him drinking that's better um you've sent me that Oh, that's in this. That that's clip? in this. Was that in this? Yeah, that's in this first episode towards the very oh. end. 
Yeah, oh. no, that's this. That's this. So this wins. Okay, I must have blinked and missed it. Yeah, it happens very quickly. It's a shot, and I think I should have the YouTube, but it's and it should be online. I'll see if I can throw it into the into the into the post on the website. But there's a third. It's about thirty seconds, and it's basically this um this this evil <laughs> this evil marine jumps into a window and is trying to steal back a time machine. The doctor walks in holding a glass of wine. The guy charges him. The doctor karate chops him flips him over and then just takes a sip of wine and walks away. It's the, <laughs> it's the best thing. It's so genius. It's, and then all of a sudden like, the guy comes back to him. It, 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 it's like in, in five seconds, it just completely sums up the Pertwee era. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's glorious. Yeah. It's that's the story. Um, so Marine, <laughs> Marine from the future trying to steal back a time, a time device. Pertwee drinking wine, judo chops and flips the guy and goes back to drinking wine. Yeah, and he didn't Glorious. spill. That's the best and, part. He did. and didn't spill. <laughs> and it's not an empty glass either. Like it's a, what a it's pimp. got it's got some stuff in it, man. And he doesn't skimp. Never skimp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is really. I mean, it's really. It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And the the time. It's got a good paradox. It's got like the cool future stuff. I love the the main bad guy dude because he's so over the top. Like he's just so ridiculous. Yeah. No, I, I, I uh, the uh, what is his name? The con- the controller. Yeah, right? the controller. Yeah. No, I I love him. He's just like he talks like a robot. Uh, and <laughs> and like his whole um, like all of the human bad guys. Like apparently in the future, you just you're you're everyone's very monochromatic and just <laughs> wears one shade of one color and that's it. <laughs> And maybe has a little silver paint on their face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god, so yeah. funny. And he and he has the eggshell chair, <laughs> which he's because he he's basically Doctor Evil. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> uh, he's got the eggshell chair. He's got the uh, the uh, the high neckline like bodysuit. Yeah, like the it's like single color bodysuit or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and the best part about that egg chair is like if you look very closely you can see him with his feet swiveling the chair because <laughs> they can't afford the chair to rotate by itself so he's like slouched a bit and just like moving it with his toes <laughs> as he goes <laughs> around which i noticed and thought was just wonderful um Ugh. yeah and i love i love joe in this i love her outfit i think she's really good i love the brigadier um <laughs> like when he walks in in the morning with his shirt untucked and he's just like where's the coffee and the and his assistant <laughs> just goes the canteen is closed and he's like of course it is and he just leaves <laughs> like, yeah ah <laughs> so funny oh it's so funny this is i know it's just it's what you want from the part we are and it's tons of action like the final like the last episode especially in the special edition was like just it's just huge it's just massive um mm-hmm. and it's really really exciting and really really good so peace below uh, not peace below sorry <laughs> day of the dogs day peace of the below. Dogs. coming day up of, next yeah coming up next oh <laughs> what happened <laughs> I don't know, uh, but no, I, I that's that's for people. I think this is a good. Uh, this would be a good starter story for, yeah. uh, for like uh, people who only know New Who and they they want to come back. They want to watch a classic Who story. Um, uh, they want to watch a Third Doctor story. Get a good taste of who the Third Doctor is, as well as have like the easy in of a familiar villain. 
Uh, yeah. I don't I don't think you can go wrong with Day of the Daleks, honestly. Yeah. And and you know, updated special effects so that it's not as ropey as it usually is. Um, right. Yeah. Totally. Nice. Yeah. I think this is a really good example of that. So, sure. Um, I I I recommend it. Yeah. Absolutely. Recommended. Recommended. Absolutely. Uh, so we're talking about uh, the beast below next. Do you have any background significance for that? Uh, it's the second story with Matt Smith. It's directed by oh oh gosh, what's his name? Um. Uh, Andrew Gunn. Oh, Andrew Gunn. And it was shot after Victory of the Daleks, so it's the fifth episode that they shot overall. Um, Fourth. No, it's the fifth, because they shot Angels, the Angel Two-Parter, Eleventh Hour, and Victory of the Daleks before this, right? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, the the production code is 204. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. (laughs) Disregard what I was saying. Um... But it's uh yeah it's the continuation it's written by Stephen Moffat so you um so it's so so it's basically still more of the same of not more of the same for him but more of like him doing more um and it's uh yeah it's it's the beast below everyone knows the beast below everyone knows the beast below so yeah so. all right well before we talk about it uh before we revisit it I want to remind you that today's episode is also brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS is the site that lets you. Order all of your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You get from DCBService.com by pre-ordering your stuff uh, three months in advance. Uh, You pre-order it, put in your uh, the way that you're going to pay for it, whether it be credit card, check, money order, whatever, Um, and then they charge it uh, like sort of like Amazon when the stuff ships. So uh, as soon as your stuff ships, you get charged. And uh, you get monthly discounts up to 75% off, regular discounts of 40% off, uh, and you can ship, you know, as much as uh, as often as you like, uh, with orders as large or small as you like, and you only pay six ninety five in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com, go there, order your collectibles and stuff. All right, so The Beast Below... Um, uh, this is an episode that I, I think I can't think of another episode more than this one that I feel is underrated um, and forgotten more than this one because every time I watch it like I just remember how much hope and joy I had watching <laughs> this episode <laughs> For the show and the direction and like the I, the whole fairy tale thing and I was man I was loving all of that uh, watching this episode and I just I I loved the Beast Below and I remember when it even when it came out I remember feeling the need to defend it because people didn't like it like they thought it was dumb and yeah. I don't understand why I guess like I just I love it I just love how it's. Uh, uh, this weird combination of of uh, cynical and earnestness. Like I just, I I, I think I, I don't know, man. I, I I love the beast below. I really do. I yeah. I just I I think it's gorgeous too. Um, mm-hmm. like the the art direction of this episode is gorgeous. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Especially the smilers. I mean, I, the the art direction on the smilers is really wonderful. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a story that I don't love. I quite like it. It's not my favorite by a long stretch in the season. I think that there's a bunch of stories in here that are better, but I also don't think it's nearly as, um, 
how do I say this? Uh, bad as <laughs> victory of the Daleks. Um, I think that like if this is on the lower end of your season, you're in a pretty good place. Um, and it's you know it's right before Moffat lost his mind, so that's really good. Um, uh, but I can't say that this is like a personal favorite of mine. I think that it's. I think it's quite good, and and when I'm watching it this time, I was like, oh no, this was really, really, really quite good. Um, and I remember like when it came out, like there was backlash, especially coming off the high of Eleventh Hour, and it's like it's just unfortunate this comes after that because, well, the Eleventh Hour is so outstanding as we talked about last week. Um, but you know, after Victory of the Daleks, we I remember looking back on this one and being like, yeah, no, that one was pretty good. Um, <laughs> Uh, spoilers for next week, I guess. Um, but I like it, and I think that, like, there's there's a lot of stuff in here where it's like, you're right, The uh, Moffat in The Eleventh Hour shows us the promise of what he can do with his, um, with his run, and in this, he just expands upon that, pro- upon that promise. There's a, there's a lot of fairy tale in here, and there's a lot of, um, a lot of vision that I feel is lacking from the current series. Um, this has something to say. It goes about saying it in a particular way, and it's uh, both interesting and entertaining. So I like it. I just don't love it as much as um, probably you do. Hmm. No, yeah. See, I could watch this this over and over and over again. I I, I really love it. I really mm-hmm. do. It's sort of... Um, it's kind of like everything that I want out of, uh, or I wanted out of this era, yeah. is is really summed up in this episode because it's. I don't need every episode to be just mind blowingly awesome. I mean, that would be nice, but that's hard to maintain. Yes, uh, the Beast Below is a perfect example of what I want just a generic episode of Doctor Who to be like. Sure, and if and if all of the sh- episodes were this good i'm sure i wouldn't complain ever um mm-hmm. like i really wouldn't i mean it's like it's like day of the daleks like i i i really like day of the dogs but i can't really complain because if you're if that's your baseline you're in a pretty good place um mm-hmm. unfortunately this is not the baseline for the show anymore so it's right right but that does make yeah. it look better i also think that this is the um the most earnest episode of doctor who uh, or this was the most earnest episode of 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 New Who uh, or or of the Moffat era until um, the Doctor's wife, and then nothing has topped that since then. Sure, uh, I just man, I just miss the earnestness. I guess, like I just, <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, sometimes no, it, sometimes I want to watch Doctor Who and just feel good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's not something I'm getting from the show anymore, which sure. is and- sad. And you're absolutely right. Like there is a there is a manic glee here that um that that is that just comes from a je ne sais quoi. It comes from a place where you, there's no real way to to describe it. You could just watch this and you feel good about Doctor Who. You feel like this is what you want from Doctor Who. This is like mm-hmm. it's just it's exciting. It's fun. It's got a great sort of plot at the middle and people i remember when this came out people were like oh it's so political it's so obvious it's so on the nose it's like yeah well who cares like so it's on the nose it makes a point like it makes a point about and it it, it has something very very cynical but true to say about people which is that if there's a horror facing them they'd much rather forget a horror facing them that is harming them in some way they'd much rather forget about it than deal with it um mm-hmm. And I think that that's something worth saying, and it and it and it helps that you have Amy and the Doctor at the center of this, just 
like you said, being earnest about it, like trying to be honest. And Amy, you know, Amy sides with the people at one point and that uh, that ends up burning her. But it also means that she is able to come back from that. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I and I like that about that. And it, and it makes this. I don't know, it makes this story really special and is a great... Honestly, it's more of a showing for Karen Gillan than it is for Matt Smith. Um, honestly, in my opinion. Um, it, it is, um, but I do... I do like Matt Smith a lot. Because like, I remember this was the first time that we were really under, beginning to understand who Matt Smith was uh, and what his vision of the Doctor is. Uh, which I, I, I like just the randomness of everything, um, Mm -hmm. with the, with the water and, and all of that. I, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I think, I think it's definitely more, I think, um, I think Amy takes the forefront here, but I do think that, uh, I think Matt is doing a lot of really interesting things with the very little that he's given, um, on paper. Yes. Um, and, and you're right. He does elevate here in a way that I feel he wasn't elevate that he didn't need to elevate in 11th hour. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's the stuff where it's like, I don't know. My favorite line from him in this is actually, this is not going to be big on dignity. Yeah. Oh <laughs> because... God. I love that. That line that I think that's, that's my, uh, my favorite line definitely. And then I also love the, uh, what are you going to do? What I always do stay out of trouble, badly <laughs> like <laughs> i love that like i just because yeah. that's that sums up the doctor as a character so well yeah um, and, it, and it's also i mean the, the thing that also strikes me about that is it's a very specific vision for the doctor um looking at the 11th hour moffat has has to come up with what is this doctor in this episode he has to come up with okay well who's gonna be the doctor like how is how am i gonna be the doctor here and you see all of the hallmarks of Moffat's era you have his uh, his affection for children his um his his uh mischief making like this I mean it just reminds me of why I really associate Matt Smith with Patrick Troughton because it's so like he's just so mischievous all over the place in this mm-hmm. um and creeping and, and and doing what Patrick Troughton does so well and I think that like compare it again to the stuff in this season where you know the doctor's all over the place. There is no specific vision for who the doctor is, and I and and compare it to Davies. Davies had a constant streak of uh, someone a little more melancholy, but finding joy in melancholy, finding a wanderer who was alone. Um, this has all of those elements, and not in ways that Davies was portraying them. They're, yes, it's built off of Davies, but it is a definite step in a different direction. The idea that I don't want to talk about how I lost my Time Lord friends um, is, is, a, is a break from Davies, and the idea that he's going to... Um, he's going to make some hard decisions is... Uh, I mean, it's it's a good place for Moffat to be in. Like Now the Doctor doesn't have to make hard decisions. Um, I can't think of a time he last had to. Um and that's, I mean, that's bad. You should be pushing your characters in, in new and different, exciting places. But the vision of the Doctor here is so specific, and it reminds me of why I was so excited for Moffat because it's so unique. It's such a, um, it's such a, it's so thematic, and it's, it's different than Good Man Goes to War because in Good Man Goes to War, the Doctor is lambasted with the idea that you're getting reckless and they never do anything with that idea. Here you have a guy who says, 
I'm not going to interfere and I'm not going to get into trouble. And he gets in trouble anyways. He can't stop. And that's awesome to me like that it shows me a lot about this guy and it tells me your vision and is it the most clever original sure it's not but that doesn't mean that it's not good you know what i'm saying yeah no i think that's uh i think that's a good point uh i also i just i wonder if uh a lot of the magic here has to do with the idea that maybe companions shouldn't stick around so long um because, uh, I mean, uh, Davies had basically a rule where someone in the TARDIS was changing every year. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's kind of a good rule to stick by in the uh, in the way that Doctor Who as a series is constructed now. Um, because otherwise, you know, if your companion uh, stays around too long then people start asking questions like, what are you going to do with the companion? Like they lose the magic because uh, they don't see the doctor as magical anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and so their vision of the doctor then sort of, uh, I guess mirrors our thoughts on the show at that point. It's like, there's no more magic. It's like the doctor says, I don't know. I don't know if it was Matt Smith's doctor that says that or, or if it's someone else, but somebody basically says, I think it was Matt. He says, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I need somebody traveling with me because I don't, I don't see the magic anymore. I've been, I'm too old. I've been traveling too long and I just don't see the magic in all this anymore. And so I need someone fresh and new who's seeing it for the first time. And I can feel that magic vicariously through them. And I think that that's important. Uh, and I and I think that's important for the show, like not just for the Doctor as a character, but for the show and for viewers of the show. And I think that that's, I don't know, I have hope. I do have hope that with, with our new companion that maybe we'll get a little bit of this magic back, uh, if, if even for a little while. Yeah, I I agree. I think that um you're right. There is something awesome about a um a companion to who the traveling is still special. Or to whom I'm sorry. Um, to whom <laughs> the traveling is still special. Like look at um uh, Fires of Pompeii, which is which is something that really sticks out to me because it was one of those teasers that I saw without having seen the rest of the show um, before I started watching. I watched the teaser to Fires of Pompeii and you just have Catherine Tate walking out and just being blown away that she's in Pompeii um, and that's that's something really, really, really awesome and it's something that um, that has been missing. Like, you know, there's never there's no sense of wonder anymore anywhere. Like, even dinosaurs on a spaceship it's like, oh, this week we're on a spaceship and all that excitement comes from the Doctor, of all people. Like, Amy and Rory are, like, in, in this most recent season, are like, hey, we're going to go travel with the Doctor. And it's like, why? You clearly aren't getting as much excitement out of it as you used to be. Amy can say, is it bad that I've missed this? But that doesn't mean that I believe that. Um, you know right. what I'm saying? And it, right. And it's not it, – but that's the thing. It's like she hasn't missed – the wonder she's missed the adrenaline, which is a totally different thing. Like, yeah. uh, you know, go skydive or something. Uh, <laughs> I don't really, I, I don't think that she needs to be with the doctor anymore. Um, 
and so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad that that's over, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that we'll get that magic back because you're totally right. I think that's what was missing. It was, it was missing the magic. Like this yeah. whole series seven, I think we were hard on it, and I think that's what it came down to. Is like it was all coming from a very cynical place that lost its magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, for 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 a show that people say is very whimsical, it lost all of its whimsy. It just, <laughs> it just, it really is just all about the doctor talking about and trying to convince, uh, you know, his companions and everyone watching the show that this is awesome, that what's happening is so awesome, and you should all think that it's really awesome. But in but it's not what we're getting. And I don't really believe him when he says that he thinks it's awesome. Cause it's just, I don't know. It's just not the same as it is uh, in, in the early days of, yeah. and, um, of series five. Yeah. And look at this, man. I mean, do you see the, the giant spaceship on a space whale and the doctor's like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just, like he gets excited, but he's not like, he's not like, Oh, that's so cool. He's not like bouncing off the walls like you'd see him now. Like Amy mm-hmm. is the one who's like, this is really awesome, guys. And like, I love, I love that. And it's, 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 you don't get much of a better image of that than Amy in space being held to the TARDIS by the doctor and the doctor getting joy, not at the space, but at Amy. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that's, it's unfortunate that that's lost. Um, it's uh, weird too, because it is a, it's a Moffat thing. Like, it's just so strange that it's a Moffat thing that he did and now he's lost. Yeah. It's just so bizarre. I'm he like, some... uh, you need to rewatch your season five episodes, man. Cause yeah. I, I think you forgot what this show was and what you loved so much about this show. Yeah. I mean, uh, tree Borgs, for God's sake, like tree Borgs, you know, yeah. like, like, the doctor's just like, eh, it's a forest and a spaceship. <laughs> and and Amy's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> And the doctor, like, you know, he could care. He cares, but he, I mean, he honestly could care less. He's just like, yeah, let's just keep moving. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, I, and I, I miss that about it. Like, yes, the doctor should be impressed by things. Yes, he should be really excited that he's meeting Shakespeare or Van Gogh or whoever. Van Gogh, sorry. Um, but that he doesn't need to go overboard with it. Like, let me go overboard. You don't have to, you don't have to, you've been around for how long? 1200 years at this point, because there's 300 years we're never seeing. Um, let us have faith, like trust us a little bit more than you do. Um, Cause that's what you need. Um, I also like uh, in this, there's actually two more things I want to talk about. And then I think I'm out uh, one, the shot of the doctor overlooking starship UK at the very end when he talks with Amy and they have that hug, I think is an outstanding mm. piece of composition. Um, I think that it's gorgeous and beautiful and you watch it and it's just majestic. Like I look at it, I saw it this time and I was just like, wow, I remember because they use that shot a lot in all the promos and I'm still not tired of seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. I could make that my desktop wallpaper and I'd be happy. Uh, so so I, I like that. And two, I love the solution. Um, the 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 actual solution is very Moffat in the sense that it's a puzzle. Like as a it's a puzzle where you get all the pieces and can you figure it out before Amy and the Doctor do. And I love I mean people lambasted it, but I love that Amy solves the puzzle. I love that she saves the Doctor from doing something that he would regret would regret for the rest of his life. And I love that um, it's so elegant and simple. Um, and it mm-hmm. is 
inherently hopeful. The idea that this space whale isn't just being tortured. It wants to do this. It wants to help people, um, is, is, is nice. You don't like, how often do you get that? Normally it's like me, 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 me. And the space whale is being like very generous and kind. And the people who are on the space station are now going to be, Oh, we're very generous and kind to the space whale. And that's, yeah, it's cheesy and schmalsy, but it's warm. It's nice. It's nice to see people be nice to each other. Um, and I love that. Um, I really, really love that. And I like this. It's all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I just, you know, I more earnestness, please, on, <laughs> on Doctor Who. That's what I want. Sure. That is what I want. Sure. All right. Well, uh, before we move on. Um, we did that. We did that. <laughs> <laughs> Next week. <laughs> Uh, I sorry, I backed up on the on the on the script. Uh, Are you I apologize. Drunk? Are you okay? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm having a stroke. Uh, <laughs> next week, the Macra Terror, uh, which is a second Doctor story, and Victory of the Daleks, which I'm sure will have lots of things to say. Yeah, uh, Macra Terror. For those who don't know, doesn't exist at all, but it's a second Doctor story, and it is fantastic. It is so good. Um. I love that story to pieces and pieces. And what will we be watching? A reconstruction or audio? Well, it'll be a reconstruction that has the audio. You can listen to the audio. You can watch the reconstruction. It doesn't really matter. It's going to be awesome no matter what you do. (laughs) Okay. Is it a four-parter? Yeah, it's only four. Okay. One of the the rare Patrick Trout and four-parters. On the other side of that, Pyramids of Mars (laughs) and uh, Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone. So um, that'll be a good episode. Um, (laughs) Then... (laughs) Earth Shock and Vampires in Venice, and then uh, Planet of the Ood and uh, Amy's Choice. So good mm-hmm. stuff. That's three episodes in a row where everything that we're doing is on Netflix Instant. Yeah, so there's no excuses anymore, guys. No excuses. <laughs> no, seriously, if you haven't seen Pyramids of Mars, uh, you should watch that. It's really, really excellent. It is. Uh, All right, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, Twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things from time to time. I do not warn you. Uh, also, um, you should check out our other podcast, The Mind Robbers, which is the show that's much like The Doctor's Companion, except that we talk about all of the other things. Uh, that aren't Doctor Who. Uh, this week, we are actually, we just, uh, by the time this episode is aired, we'll have already released uh, the episode of The Mind Robbers where we talk about fall pilot season. Uh, we watched a lot of pilots, and we're sort of breaking them down and talking about uh, what we thought of them. Lots and of good discussion. one was a total surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but listen for that one. Yeah, so if you want to hear us talk about the fall pilots, then check out the Mind Robbers, because that's where we do that sort of thing, Uh, along with whatever else we happen to be watching or reading or experiencing in one way or another. Um, So so look to that. That's also on mindrobber.net, where you should be leaving comments and things like that. Uh, Matt, where can people find you? 
You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungan, and also my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GDCommentary, where I live tweet or talk about whatever it is I'm watching at the moment. Sometimes I watch The Manchurian Candidate, and sometimes I just got to tell people how I feel. Um, <laughs> also, my uh, blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com, where I review Classic Who. Uh, it should be up, and if it's not up, it's going up very shortly. Uh, I'm doing a review of The Ambassadors of Death. Which is the eleventh to last uh, story that I'm covering for the blog. We're now, we're like, now we're in like ten or less, which is really exciting. Um, uh, <laughs> Ambassadors of Death, probably my favorite Pertwee story. I haven't started working on it yet, but if you if you read that post, you will see at the bottom. I will say whether or not it's my favorite Pertwee story, and I'll be honest, I'm pretty sure it is. So if you want real Pertwee, Ambassadors of Death is basically where I would send you. Um, and it's amazing for being seven parts. Uh, and that's where you can find me. Scott? Yeah, so that's, uh, that's it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well then, uh... <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>